What's up, folks? Greetings and welcome to these Foolish Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark. Uh, Mr. Dominic Stern is with me as usual. What's going on, Dominic? How are you doing? Are you uh, you uh, enjoying uh, your your time off of of, uh, of school, time away from football? I know football, Super Bowl just happened. It's kind of a quiet time in in sports in the sports world, if you will. But uh, how, how are you doing, man? It's actually not a quiet time in the sports world for me. I'm a huge college basketball fan. I'm wearing my San Diego State basketball shirt right now as they play San Jose State tonight. So it's actually not too quiet. There is one chip taken off my shoulder from football. Uh, Those who follow me on Twitter know I'm an extremely busy man. But uh, it's still busy. But you're right. The football being done is certainly going to ease up my schedule a little bit, especially on the weekends and on Sundays. So I'm doing good. I'm excited. College basketball season's ramping up and the Super Bowl ending always means that baseball games are going to be played that month. So obviously it's only spring training and the schedule of it it seems like it's going to be changed a bit, but Padres baseball, it's getting closer and closer every time we record James. Yes, it is. It is getting closer. Uh, apologies to our Aztec uh, listeners out there. I was regard. I was referring to professional sports uh, when I said a quiet time, and you know, obviously, college basketball is ramping up. March Madness, Madness is coming close. The Aztecs are 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 competing and, and looking well. Uh, they're starting to heat up at the right time, which is which is exciting. Uh, this is an Aztecs pod, so we won't get too much into it, but they're they're an exciting team to watch for sure. Uh, spring training is about a week away, which is kind of crazy uh hopefully it's a week away i guess it's kind of tentatively scheduled there's still talks with the mlb uh and the mlb players union uh our guest uh in a couple minutes scott miller will uh kind of give us a little bit of information on that hopefully um but the padres are kind of they're boring right now right right dominic i mean what, what the heck we can't podcast about any exceptional draft pick or exceptional free agents pick or or a, a, a huge trade. I mean, gosh, what's going on with AJ Preller? Is he actually sleeping these days? Well, there hasn't been much to, for him to do. Obviously, Potters fans are very vocal about wanting him to re-sign Trevor Rosenthal as much there, as I would there. like that. I, I don't know if that's going to be financially plausible for the San Diego Padres, given the fact that they already have a top five payroll for this upcoming season, but there isn't much for him to do. So yeah, it has been a little quiet in the Padres universe. Uh, it was getting a little loud uh, from the team just a little North on I five. So that was of course a little frustrating this weekend, but that happens. So yeah. the Padres, the, the race, I was teasing. I was teasing Padre fans. I was teasing. It's been an eventful winter uh, for the San Diego Padres, yes. and uh, it was more it was more teasing than anything. But I don't know. You expect the Padres to make a move or two before the spring. Uh, there's a lot of uh, minor league free agents out there looking for work, which is kind of kind of sad when you think about it. I, I think about a lot of players that are struggling to find work. Uh, in this day and age, from what I've been hearing, gathering from a lot of uh, Major League Baseball 
types that uh, the market is really slow on pitchers and position players because there's just so much uncertainty with minor league baseball right now. And, and quite frankly, the major league teams just don't want to spend money on someone that's not already currently under contract. So it's troubling, Dominic. Uh, it's troubling times for sure. We'll hopefully uh, baseball uh, takes away that pain and, and we have a somewhere of a normal uh, 2021 season, but we shall see uh, any other relevant information before we bring our guests in, or should we just uh, bring in Mr. Miller? Uh, baseball did announce that uh, double headers will be seven innings and the extra Dang inning games. Yeah. will have a runner on second base. I actually like those rules. Like I'm not going to say like, I, I, I want those rules, but I think that what they're meant for speeding up the game, I think it's fine. And yeah. it's, it's not, a hot take. It's not a popular take either, but uh, I do appreciate old fashioned baseball, but I understand that given the pandemic, they want these games to be as short as possible and whatnot. And uh, given the situation, I think those are some good moves by major league baseball and the players association. Yeah. They're, they're, they're interesting moves. I think there should be an asterisk towards uh seven inning complete game shutouts or seven inning complete games that pitchers are, are awarded. Cause that seems a little unfair. I mean, the runner on second thing, the international tiebreaker rule has been used in softball for a long time. It's uh, been used in, in minor leagues, uh, little league sports and stuff. I mean, it, it makes sense to speed up the game. It makes it interesting uh, because it's an interesting dynamic. Do you bunt the runner over? Do you, you know, if you're a visiting team, do you, if you know, you're playing by a run, it's, 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 it brings a different dynamic to the game. That's for sure. And it brings a uh, bench play of importance as well. Uh, having the depth on your, on your bench to be able to, pinch run for someone or, or, or do something uh, drastic in that regards. Uh, baseball's changing. You mentioned baseball purism. That's pretty much dead. I don't see, uh, I don't see baseball purists being <laughs> doing much in, in, in this day and age. It's just uh, bat flips and, and having fun and, and the game's evolving. That's just the nature of, of, of being a human being and, and, and uh, in the sports world. Dominic, I think we should bring in Mr. Miller right about now. Uh, good time to talk to Scott Miller. Uh, you know, he is the MLB insider, been around the game for a long time. Uh, Fox Sports San Diego contributor. You guys have all seen him on the on on uh, pregame and postgame uh, for the Padres. So we will be right back with Mr. Scott Miller. Greetings and welcome back, folks, to episode number one thirty-six of the Padres EVT podcast. Excited to be have uh, to have Mr. Scott Miller here, MLB insider, Fox Sports San Diego contributor. Uh, a lot of you guys have seen him post and pregame uh, Padres stuff. What's going on, Scott? How are you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, you know, every uh, mid February, you start to get to that time. You begin to feel spring in the air, no matter how chilly it might be outside. You know, baseball, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers, those magical words. I know. It's a, it's an odd time right now. And a lot of people weren't sure if uh, this day would come in February or March or whatever, but uh, looks like February uh, we're going to get going next week. And, you know, hopefully people listening and watching everybody's staying safe and doing what we're supposed to do. And, you know, boy, I hope we can see people at the ballpark again soon this summer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, before we start talking Padres related stuff, let, let's get into that. Uh, do you think that fans will be at, allowed at the stadium at some point in 2021? Or is that just a fluid situation that's just going to go day by day? You know, I mean, it, it is fluid, no question. But I do think, um, you know, I mean, the, it's it's all about the vaccines. And, and as we know, the vaccine, there's been a slow rollout, but it's starting to they're starting to work out the kinks, I think, both 
in California and nationally. And, you know, the more vaccines, I think the better in terms of where baseball is concerned, because, um, you know, number one, there, I know the owners want to get as many players vaccinated as possible, as soon as possible. Um, and that will then theoretically allow fewer interruptions in a regular season to be played as, as close to normal as possible. And then you extend beyond the players to the fans, uh, the more of the general public that can be uh, vaccinated, I think that that increases the odds that stadiums will again be open to fans. I don't know if we're going to see full stadiums of 40 or 50,000 people anytime soon, but I do think there's a real chance, hopefully, uh, especially by June or July, you'd hope the second half of the summer, you would hope a large percentage of the population will have been vaccinated and that there'll definitely be fans in the seats. I know Petco Park has been a huge vaccination site in Southern California, and hopefully that's a good sign that Petco Park may be rewarded by Gavin Newsom, that the fact that Padres fans will be able to attend games at Petco Park. So let's talk about a thing MLB-related, but it's naturally Padres-related because everything the Dodgers do is related to the Padres, given the fact that the <laughs> Padres do play them 19 times a year and they're in the same division as the Padres. They signed Trevor Bauer last Friday to a very massive contract. What did you make of that signing for both Trevor Bauer and for the Dodgers? Well, for Trevor Bauer, obviously the numbers are eye-popping. I mean, you know, $40 million worth of salary just this year alone and $42 million. I mean, it's record-breaking. And oh, for Trevor Bauer, I think, you know, timing is everything. And he won the Cy Young Award last year. Granted, everything's graded on the curve. It's only a 60 game season, uh, but he picked his last season before entering free agency to have as good a run as he's had. So he parlayed that into a giant contract, and all credit to him for that. Um, as far as the signing with the Dodgers, I mean, you know, look, they they they're strong. They're going to be the favorites going in. I mean, you look at that rotation: Walker Bueller, Clayton Kershaw. Um, on and on and on, David Price and, and, you know, Julio Urias, and they've got Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin. It goes on and on and on. But, you know, there's a reason they play the games. And I've been covering the game long enough to know, especially back, you know, 10, 15 years ago when free agent dollars were flowing a lot more than, than now. It was amazing how many teams would win the winner, so to speak, with big, splashy free agent signings, and then it wouldn't work out for them in the summer once they actually started playing the games. In other words, they looked really good on paper, but not uh, it didn't work as well. Now, obviously, Trevor Bauer's going to, uh, you know, that, that really helps the Dodgers, and it increases the Padres' degree of difficulty. But, you know, it's not a slam dunk. I mean, look, Trevor Bauer – in all of his years, he's 30 now, he's only thrown 200 innings in a season once. Now, maybe he can do that again this year, um, but coming off a 60-game season, it's going to be interesting to see how starting pitchers in particular, how that workload goes, because I don't know if he's going to hit 200 innings. I think depth is going to be more important than ever this year. I think that's where the Dodgers, it, having all those starters is going to help them. But, you know, Bowers had a lot of mediocre years and one or two really good years. And so which which Trevor Bauer will show up in 2021, that's going to be one of the many fascinating things, I think, both for the Dodgers and for the National League West. 
Yep, we're all hoping that the Bauer of 2019 and pre-2018 shows up. But uh, another move that came out in the NL West uh, the week prior was the Rockies trading away Nolan Arenado along with $50 million for a couple of prospects. Uh, what did you think of that? Not just for the Rockies standpoint, but just for a baseball standpoint, the fact that an MLB franchise was trading away possibly their greatest player in franchise history in giving away $50 million to go along with it. You know, it, it's embarrassing for the Rockies franchise. Uh, I think without a doubt to start there, I question the uh, capability of their general manager, Jeff Bridich. Um, You know, the Rockies historically under the Monfort ownership group, uh, principal owner, Dick Monfort, they, they, they've been slow to, uh, you know, to their credit, they've been loyal to people, whether it's players, managers, front office people, but that loyalty can be a drawback at times. And I think it's, it's hurting the Rockies with British. Uh, you know, he's, I think he's in over his head and the relationship with Arenado didn't have to be so strained, but you know, Nolan wants to win. And he was outspoken a year ago. He didn't think the Rockies were making moves to win. And I mean, that that's, you know, that this, this leads into the whole issue that baseball's been addressing the last several years of tanking. Rockies aren't stripping down quite like Houston did back in 2011 and 2012. They're not stripping down like the Cubs did six or seven years ago, but um, you know, competitive integrity is the foundation of the sport. And I know I've talked to Tony Clark, the players union boss about this. I know the players are very concerned that at the number of teams each year that are either tanking or just aren't fully in to compete. And, you know, part of the players, you know, one thing that makes them angry about that, you see it in the free agent market the last few years. They, they think when, when several teams are trying to rebuild and, and, and aren't all in on competing, it dilutes the free agent market because those teams aren't going to go out and spend money. Um, so there's all of these issues run through the Arenado to the St. Louis Cardinals deal. Um, you know, conversely, the Cardinals are a team that usually is trying to win and closer to home. Really nice to see the last two or three years, the Padres have gone all in on winning. And, you know, we haven't been able to say that uh, all the time around here. Yeah, no, it's it's it'll be good to get Arenado out of the West because he's robbed so many base hits down the down the third baseline from from Padres. Um, it was a difficult year in 2020 covering major league teams. Uh, you had access to the players, kind of. Give me what it was like covering the team and and being able to get information on a limited basis, which looks like it's going to be towards that way at the start of 2021 at, at the very least uh, for credentialed people and for media personalities like yourself. Right, James. Yeah, I, we definitely when spring training opens, there's no access media wise to the players uh, as last year. Everything's going to be uh, like we're talking now over Zoom and over the computer. And um, the hope is, again, back to a, a topic we just talked about a little bit ago. The hope is mm-hmm. media wise, if the players are vaccinated and the, in the media and so much of the public can be vaccinated. The hope is maybe, maybe the second half of this season, there's a chance that the media rules could change and we could get back on the field, possibly in the clubhouse to where we can actually talk to the guys again. Uh, I don't, I mean, I'll, 
that's best case scenario. I, 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 I think the more realistic possibility is this will remain the, the, the Zooms and the non-access will happen all this summer. And then maybe in 2022, we can kind of get back to normal. But, you know, it, it's it's difficult because, you know, baseball is fighting with so many other sports and and even non-sports movies and such for a place in the in the entertainment landscape. Yeah. Baseball is trying to hook fans. Um, you know, as you guys know, the, the average age of baseball fans has been skewing older. Um, you know, and baseball knows it needs to get younger fans hooked. And part of how you do that is through the media and through by the media being able to tell the stories, whether it's a story of a particular team like the Padres or individual stories of a Manny Machado or Fernando Tatis Jr. And the problem when there's a lack of access is it's harder to tell those stories and it's harder to tell them more interestingly because when all you have is a Zoom interview with, say, Fernando Tatis Jr., and you've got 10 or 20 or 30 media members on that Zoom. Everybody gets the same answers, and there's there's nothing unique. And part of the difficulty of this, and especially for somebody like me, I've, I've covered the game for about 30 or so years now, and one of the advantages of doing that is – over all these years, the relationships you build, the contacts you build, yes. and working clubhouses, you, yes. you, you get to know certain players. And then you can tell the stories of the game better by knowing by, by the relationships you've established. And I can't tell you the number of, of times over the years where I've gone to the ballpark, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to write that day, but then I would work the clubhouse, and yeah. whether it was the Padres or whoever – and, and I'd, I'd have one conversation about something that was going on that would lead to another, lead to another. And all of a sudden, you know, I'd walk into some interesting angle of a story. And that's what's missing right now. And hopefully we can get that back soon, because, again, in this day and age, you know, a guy like me that's been around as I have not being able to talk to the players, it, 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 that that hurts a lot in coverage. But then what you end up relying on and, you know, the old uh, the old Rolodex, the old contact list in your phone. And <laughs> hopefully that, you know, a guy like me and, and, and whoever can go has go to people that you can text and talk to on the phone mm -hmm. uh, when you can't talk to them personally at stadiums. You know, that's really the only way to go about it. Yeah, no, I, I feel for you because. It, it, it is about working the room. It's about gathering information. And, and like you say, it, it's just about opening your ears and your eyes more than anything. And you find information, but you just don't have that information. You're not able to have these candid conversations with front office members or the, the eighth guy in the, in the bullpen or, or, or things like that. And it's, it's tough. And I, I really do feel for you. And sadly, it looks like this year is going to be the same thing. And, and the, the zoom it, it's, it is, it's impersonal and it's just, it's just generic, and it, it, I feel for you. Uh, we talked about the excitement of the game and how we need to reach the younger audience. Is there no one who who exemplifies that more than Fernando Tatis Jr.? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's it's you know, I've 
I've covered a number, I've worked at a number of different newspapers and lived in a number of different cities during this time covering baseball, but I've lived in locally here in San Diego for about the last 20 years. Uh And, you know, I don't have to tell you guys, San Diego is kind of that proverbial sleepy out of the way city, at least when it comes (laughs) to on on a national perspective and every now and then lightning strikes and Tony Gwynn shows up and wins some batting titles. And then you get a little bit of national attention in San Diego or Trevor Hoffman, of course, but you know, you can't just manufacture talent like that and guys like that, you know, you have to scout and draft and hope everything comes together. And uh, much like, Fernando Tatis Jr., you know, I mean, nobody knew when the Padres traded James Shields to the Chicago White Sox that that young kid that was a teenager coming back would become what Fernando Tatis Jr. has become today. I mean, we're talking a generational player. This is a guy, and that's another sad thing, by the way, that the the Padres played to an empty stadium last year because people should, like, from every part of the state, the nation, everybody should be able to come watch this kid play. Fernando Tatis Jr. has put the Padres on the map nationally, no doubt about it. Um, You know, you're seeing the Padres written about more, talked about more among national media, among baseball fans. I talked to friends from out of town. Everybody wants to know about Fernando Tatis Jr. And he's got that, that buzz about him. He's got the Q factor, the it factor. And he's taken the Padres national. And that's part of the story that you want to tell of this upcoming season. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s author, just a couple chapters so far. But from here, where can he take the Padres? Where can the Padres go with him? You know, we all know they, they're, they're stunning as it is to say this, because, again, it's San Diego. But. The Padres, you talk, you look at the Las Vegas odds makers. I mean, the Padres are one of three or four teams now that are favored to win the World Series. And, you know, no small part of that is Tatis Jr. And he's so much fun. He's got the charisma and the talent. And, you know, where this goes, it's going to be fascinating. And you were talking about how fans weren't able to see Fernando Tatis Jr. last year. And I was thinking about it. When was the last time I saw Fernando Tatis Jr.? And I was at his last game. And that was my last game at Petco Park. It it certainly was weird. Fortunately, I was able to attend two of the games in Texas during the postseason. But it's going to be super awesome to see him in spring training, uh, potentially, or see him just in Petco Park. And honestly, just see him again, even if it's on a TV, because he's that exciting. And one of his favorite teammates, at least from an outsider's point of view, was Jerickson Profar, and the Potters re-signed him to a three-year deal that was pretty hefty. What do you think Jerickson Profar's role with the Potters could be in the 2021 season, and how important is he going to be to the Potters, giving them depth as well? Yeah, hugely important on the depth factor, and I think that's going to be his big role is um, the, you know, you're going to see him, I think, some at second base, some in the outfield. And, and you know, what, what Jerickson Profar is going to bring to the Padres in a perfect world uh, is, look, again, you have to measure the Padres against the Dodgers because they're the ones that continue to win the division nine years in a row now. So they set the bar. So how do you get better than that team? Well, one thing the Dodgers have done and continue to do, they, they've, they've set the bar with depth. And they've got 
look at what Chris Taylor does. Every time you look at the Dodgers, Chris Taylor might play shortstop one day. He may play second base the next. He may play left field. Um, he might not be in the lineup for a few days, but even when he's not in the lineup, he'll come into a game in a double switch in the fifth inning, play left field or whatever. You know, uh, that's the kind of situation, I think, the kind of role that you would hope Jerks and Profar plays. And, and I think, you know, he proved last year he, he plays it well. Yeah, it, it's depth and versatility is definitely the way that Major League Baseball is trending. I mean, the, the expanded rosters and the you know the 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 new rules that are in place, you have to have depth and you have to have a guy who can play be versatile. I mean, the one trick ponies are dead. Uh, you know, right handed hitter can play only play first base nowadays. You you got to have that versatility, and it's it's, yeah. it's 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 refreshing to see the Padres embrace that and and be able to show that flexibility. So let's let's segue into the the Padre rotation. Obviously, that was an issue for the team at the end of last season into the playoffs. Fantastic additions this year with Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, uh, Snell, Musgrove. Uh, give me your impression of of the pickups the Padres made and and just the dedication that Preller's showing towards a World Series title. Yeah, I mean AJ Preller has proven to be one of the most creative general managers in, in the game. Um, you know Preller. He, he, he is as his reputation coming into San Diego was eat, sleep, drink 24, seven baseball, 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 his, his longtime uh, assistant, uh, kind of that grandfatherly guy. I loved him. I've known him for years. He passed away sadly a few years ago, Don Welke, who was one of uh, AJ's top baseball men. Uh, one thing Welke used to say, solamente baseball. And that's AJ, only baseball all the time. And and he, creativity has gotten it done this year. I mean, the the the, the trades for you, Darvish, for Joe Musgrove, uh, for Blake Snell. I mean, the Blake Snell deal alone was shocking enough that hey, wow, the Padres were able to get one of the best pitchers in the game in a trade. And then next thing you know, he's got a deal for you, Darvish, done. And then it's like wow, Darvish and Snell, and before. Uh, well, I think while Padres fans were still kind of dreaming on that idea, here came Joe Musgrove. So, you know, I, I think back to depth, it, you know, depth in the team, depth in the starting rotation, you've got to have it. And and that's uh, not only did AJ bring in uh, depth, but obviously he brought in strong, strong arms. And, and so I think uh, Snell, I, what I like too, uh, guys, is, is they each have something to prove. And I think each will come in with a chip on his shoulder. Blake Snell, uh, I don't think he pitched into the sixth inning at all last year. Tampa Bay used him how they used him. Uh, he, I know, wants to show he can he can dominate like he's done in the American League, but not for four innings. He can dominate for six innings or dominate for seven. It'd be very interesting to see uh, what kind of rope the Padres give him. Might be a little less early, but I think they're going to uh, – want him to go at least a little throw a few more innings than he did in Tampa Bay. Uh, so I think that's going to be his challenge. You Darvish, of course, mid thirties, different stage of his career, but after getting obliterated in the 2017 world series and then take, you know, and then he was hurt much of his first year in Chicago in 2019, but then he came back last year, again, 60 games shortened season, but it looked like he finally figured out some things. Uh, about himself and about, you know, Darvish is a long road for, you know, for, from J Japan here. 
um, you know, signing with the Texas Rangers, being part of World Series there, uh, and then the Tommy John surgery. And so he, he, I think it's also been a long road back for him from Tommy John surgery. And I think he's figured some things out about himself now. And we saw that in Chicago last year. And it'll be interesting to see. His challenge will be to continue that here in San Diego and show that what he recaptured about himself last year, he still can do. And Joe Musgrove, of course, local kid, grew up in East County. Um, you know, he, he certainly is going to come in with a chip on his shoulder to show that, you know, the hometown kid, he's going he's to be pitching in front of people that know him every night. And, and so he's going to show that, hey, um, you know, here's why the Padres acquired me. Yeah. yeah, those additions just mean so much because at times last season, we saw the bullpen wear down a little bit uh, and having three horses like that, potentially eating up six or seven innings uh, a night. And then you pair that with a paddock and a lament and you, you have a pretty well-rested bullpen, hopefully each day. And, and that's a good thing. So um, let me, let me ask you a question. Let me, let me use some of your insider information. Uh, last season, the Padres towards the end of the year and particularly in the playoffs were desperate for starting pitching. Garrett Richards just signed a one-year, $10 million contract with the Boston Red Sox, was never given an opportunity to start late in the year. And I know that – I, I really don't know. I, I, I was wondering if you knew any information on that. Uh, it, it seems like when Lament and Clevenger went down, they had time to ramp his innings back up in order to use him in the, in, in, as a starter, but they never did that. Do you have anything yeah. on that I think it was just too late in the summer. Okay. It, it, they, I, I don't think there was enough time to stretch him back out. And, you know, okay. I think that his, his appearances in September were more about giving him a little bit of confidence that he can get back on the field and that he's okay following his surgery and his long road rehabilitation. Okay. Okay. I think it was more about giving him okay. confidence and they weren't necessarily going to stretch him out and didn't have time to stretch him out. Um, you know, so we'll see how he does in Boston. I Richards is one of those guys the scouts have drooled over for years. The tools yeah. are there, yeah. but he's just never been able to stay healthy. And his career, for me, has been a study in frustration. Yeah, definitely. And again, this is a, another thing that that not having access kind of limits you because you don't know if maybe he had a little minor twinge here and there or, or whether working something mechanically or what that wasn't going to be put out in a zoom meeting. Uh, it, it's just, it's just tough to gauge what exactly happened. Cause I know the Padres they, they needed starting pitching late last season. That's for sure. They did. They did. And, you know, and I think that, and, and we saw that, you know, the one, one guy that agrees with us clearly is AJ Preller. He, he, <laughs> he went and uh, he tried to get the starting pitching with the Clevenger deal last year. And then, you know, Clevenger's injury was so the timing was so rough. Um, so unfortunate, but um, you know, the guys that, that Preller went out and traded for not, not just one guy, not two guys, but three guys to add to, like you say, to Nelson Lamette and, and Chris Paddock. And, and by the way, both of those guys are younger on the younger side, especially Paddock. Yes. And I think bringing in these three talented veterans, that's it's, it, it's great for competitive reasons, but I think it's also, I would hope will help Chris Paddock develop a little bit too. Cause that's the one thing you run into as well. When you're a young rebuilding team, it's important to have some veterans and not that the Padres are rebuilding now, but a couple of years ago when Paddock first came up, um, you know, they, they didn't have, 
guys in the rotation that knew how to win, that he could lean on. He could watch work every five days, four days in between starts. And I think all these guys around hopefully will get help get Paddock back on track as well. It's certainly good news on Chris Paddock. And so did also Levette coming off of his injury uh, following the end of the year, his status remains unknown going into the 2021 season. Although it seems like he's going to be able to pitch how well do you think he's going to be able to pitch and how big of a role is he going to be able to take on in the Potters rotation? Yeah, his health will be a big story this spring. You know, he has to get back on the field and, and you know, there's going to be a lot of people wondering about him based on the years, the, the way his season ended last year. So his thing in the spring, hopefully he shows up healthy next week in Peoria. And then as they run through the spring program, uh, you know, hopefully Lamette stays healthy. And then you could start the season with at least, you know, some confidence that, 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 you know, the problems from last year are in the past. Um, beyond that, uh, I know the Padres, they wanted him to develop a third pitch. Uh, his slider is so devastating and dominating last year, but he threw it. Uh, he led the league, he led starting pitchers in the National League in terms of percentage of sliders thrown. And that's really hard on an arm. And I think that's what caught up with him toward the end of the year. So I think um, it'll be interesting to see as well if, if he has a third pitch he can rely on rather than just fastball slider. And I think that will help keep him healthy as well. Yeah. The, the Padres rotation is just so deep. I mean, you, yeah. they have the, the five that we mentioned, and then they have uh, some minor league pitches that are that are seem ripe and ready to go in, in Morahone and Weathers and, and possibly Mackenzie Gore. So it's an exciting time to be a Padre fan. That is for sure. Um, let, let's talk about Jace Tingler. Uh, young rookie manager last year did an exceptional job. Uh, what did you get a sense in, in, in watching him uh, manage a team? You know, I thought uh, there was a learning curve. I think the Padres have a really good uh, – I thought that another smart thing the Padres did under Preller and his lieutenants um, that maybe didn't quite get as much publicity is is putting a really strong coaching staff under Tingler because Tingler was going to have a learning curve. There's no doubt about it. Rookie manager. He's He's got all kinds of experience in baseball, but still, until you sit in that manager chair – during a game, everybody to a man who's managed will tell you, man, when I first started, you don't realize how quick the game goes. I mean, to some of us sitting watching, sometimes maybe it seems slow, but for a manager who has to always be thinking half an inning to an inning to two innings ahead, uh, and you can't miss a trick, um, that's really hard. And and Tingler was going to have a learning curve and adding, uh, coaches like Bobby Dickerson and Wayne Kirby, you know, and putting Skip Shoemaker in the dugout next to, uh, um, next to Tingler. I think all of that helped Tingler's development and it helped maybe his speed, his learning curve just a little bit. Um, there were some mistakes here and there. I mean, the, the, um, you know, and I think even Jace would tell you, you know, the, the infamous, Tatis Jr. swinging for the fence in Texas during that route uh, when, you know, afterward, you know, the, the Rangers were angry saying, geez, basically the Padres are trying to run up the score where they're already crushing us. Why did he swing at a 3-0 pitch? And after the game, you know, Tingler said, we'll talk to Fernando about that. And that, that I'm sure Jace would say now was a mistake. He came back before the game the next day and did a lot of damage control. You know, you've got to have yeah. your stars backs 
100% of the time, even if you don't agree with what your star did or said, you address that privately yeah. and nobody outside the clubhouse ever knows about it. You've got to remain united and you've always, you got to take care of your stars. And, you know, that, that's, I, I bring that, you know, I think Tingler did well last year. I bring that up as a, as, as an example of his learning curve and he yeah. rebounded nicely from that moment. Yes. Right that away, moment. right away. Yeah. That moment could have gone South on him, but he figured it out. And so yes. I think he'll be better this year, um, you know, and, and you know what? I thought at the time, the, uh, the Padres after Andy Green, I strongly advocated they had hire an experienced manager. Yeah. I thought after Andy Green, um, they've got to get somebody that's been there, done that before. And when they hired Jace Tingler, you know, I was critical you know, right away. And, you know, and I told A.J. Preller, we talked on the phone one day and I said, tell me why this isn't Andy Green 2.0. And I think you needed to hire an experienced manager. And AJ went on and on making his case. And, we, you know, we we had a really good conversation back and forth. And, you know, what I've seen so far from Jace Tingler, I'm, I'm not too proud to say there's an instance where I was wrong. And uh, at least I think I was wrong. We'll see what T Tingler does this upcoming year. But, you know, I do like what I've seen from him so far. And I think a lot of people forget that the Padres were just at 500 after that game where Tatis Jr. hit the home run off a 3-0 pitch. At that point, the Padres, you know, were maybe a playoff threat. At that point, they really skyrocketed. And another thing that surprised me with Tingler's growth as a manager was his bullpen usage improvement. Uh, early on, that was definitely a big struggle for him. But then it certainly got better as the season went along, and the Padres were, of course, winning because of that. And another thing about the Padres going into this uh, spring training remains is the bullpen. Trevor Rosenthal, could he be coming back to the San Diego Padres? Are you hearing anything about that? Or do you think that a Trevor Rosenthal reunion with the Padres is plausible at this point, even though we're a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting? I think, I think it's plausible. Um, Trevor really liked it here. And you can never have enough pitching. And you can especially never have enough arms in the bullpen. And he's a known commodity, which is going to make the Padres more comfortable. So, you know, there's a ton of, of free agents still out there at this late date. And, you know, they, 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 there are a number of teams that still have needs. And these free agents are going to find homes. So I, I, think, um, I think it's absolutely plausible that Trevor Rosenthal could end up back in San Diego. Um, Dominic, you make a great point about about one of Jace Tingler's early learning curves was the bullpen usage, and he got better there. Mm -hmm. And that I say you make a great point, and it, part, largely because that's something people need to understand. One of the most difficult things, maybe the most difficult thing for a manager is handling that bullpen, knowing when to make the move. And, and there's even kind of invisible things to most fans beyond knowing just when, which matchups you want and when to call a righty and a lefty into the game and who, um, and, and part of the invisible thing I mentioned, you know, I know, um, for example, I was in Sarasota, Florida a couple years back and I was talking with Brad Brock, the old ex-Padre. He was in Baltimore then. And I, again, this also goes into how it helps to have access to a clubhouse because you never know what you're going to learn. I, I didn't even go that day to talk to Brad Brock, but I saw him. And I was like, Hey, I forgot, you know, you know, to myself, I'm, I forgot he was in Baltimore's camp, you know, but he had pitched for them the year before. And I said, I just was talking to him just conversation. 
And I said, how, um, you know, how do you like Baltimore? How do you like Buck Showalter? He was managing the team at the time. And he said, you know, one thing he loved about Buck Showalter, he said, he, whenever you get up in a game to warm up, whenever he gets you up, you're going to go in the game. In other words, he never wastes your bullets. You, he doesn't get you up to warm up and then he sits you down. Yeah, That's really hard for managers to manage, let alone, like I say, when to bring guys into games or not bring them in. But that's what I'm talking about. Part of the invisible part of the game, at least publicly to fans, you don't keep track of how many times did uh, whoever it is, Trevor Rosenthal warm up and then sit down. And did he warm up twice in a game? Because if a guy warms up two or three times in tonight's game and doesn't get in the or he's not available tomorrow night's game either because he left it all in the bullpen today and they didn't even use him. So um, that's a huge, huge part of managing. And to your point, Dominic, yeah, Jace Tingler, that was always going to be one of his difficult parts. And that's where Larry Rothschild was going to have to help him out quite a bit. And he got better as the season went along, which you like to see. Yeah, you love to see a manager – not be stubborn, learn from his experiences, gather an information and, and process it and, and utilize it. And, and he seems to be able to do that as well as motivate his players, which is another exceptional tool. So yeah. I, we're excited for Tingler. Uh, you know, I questioned the, the, the signing too, because, you know, it seemed like it was Andy Green 2.0, like you mentioned, uh, but he's proving the critics wrong. He's getting the most out of the team. Uh, it helps when your general manager is bringing in talent like none other, but, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. No, no question. You know, I mean, that's the thing. You, you manage the players you have. And yeah. sometimes that, those are pretty good players and other times not much you can do. And, yeah. you know, yeah. in Andy Green's defense, he had a couple years where, you know, it didn't matter. He could have been the second coming of Casey Stengel and he yes. managed the Padres <laughs> above fourth place. Yeah. 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 I mean, that that's the truth. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Uh, let's talk about the Korean signing that the team made this year in Ha Sung Kim uh, and, and Jake Cronenworth for that matter. Well, what do you see at the second base position? Do you see maybe uh, each of them seeing some time in the outfield? Uh, what do you predict from the second base position for the San Diego Padres? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Cronenworth certainly made, you know, finishing second in the rookie of the year last year, made a name for himself and made an impression. And I think going into camp, you know, from the Padres perspective, you defer to him as, okay, he's, he's at the top of the depth chart at at second base. But I think where Hassan Kim comes in uh, very, I think we talked a little bit ago about depth and, but we talked about jerks and profar. And I mentioned Chris Taylor, the role he plays with the, Dodgers. I mean, that's also a Hassan Kim kind of thing. I think um, a couple things. One, I think we'll see him some at second base because the one thing with Cronenworth is, you know, his numbers, he, he picked it back up in the playoffs, which is going to give him a ton of confidence going into the year. But as well as Jake played for so for, for the first however many months the season were, his September numbers started to sink a little bit. Yeah. And you extract that out. You're like, that makes you immediately say, okay, what if there was a 162 game season? Could, will Jake Cronenworth be consistent all the way through? Will he hit a point, excuse me, where he hits the wall and needs a break? That's where Hassan Kim, I think comes in, Um, you know, depth and it's protection. And you're still 
as much as you like Jay Cronenworth, you're not quite sure yet what he's going to give you over a 162-game, six-month season. And the thing I like about Kim, and, you know, he's an unknown quantity as well because coming from the KBO over there in Korea, um, scouts I talk to, they're very well-versed with the KBO. Say it's a very good league. But basically, like where it would fall in the spectrum over here in the United States, somewhere between double A and triple A. It's their top league in Korea, but it's somewhere between double A and triple A is what most scouts will tell you. So where Kim's concerned, he had some eye popping numbers. I think he had, what, 30 home runs. He had a bunch of steals. You know, he's not going to come over here and hit 30 home runs. The pitching's going to be better. It's going to be a different game for him. Exactly. But what I like about him, defensively, he's very good. He's quick. He, he steals some bags. He's got some power. He hits for average. So what that tells me is across the board, he's not a one-dimensional player. He, he, he's got tools. Um, and I think when you have multiple tools, I think that skill set uh, puts you in a place where you can take advantage of an opportunity. Yeah. And I think, you know, Kim is certainly worth – taking a gamble on for the Padres. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be an interesting 2021 season for the yeah. Padres. There's so many variables uh, and, and so much interest. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting characters, a lot of interesting aspects about this team to, to write about and to create content about. Uh, Scott Miller, thank you for your time. Uh, last question before you, we send you out of here. Uh, do you have any predictions for the San Diego Padres in 2021? Uh, Player-wise, <laughs> uh, where they finish, anything uh Play prognosticator, if you will. Um, I'll try to do that. It's always a dangerous thing. (laughs) Coming out of spring training, you know, as writers, you always have to do prediction columns. Man, mine is uh, my. Oftentimes, it's it's you know, it's hit and miss. Although 2019, I did pick uh, the Nationals to beat the Astros in the World Series uh, as we came out of spring training. So, as as an old manager, I used to cover when I covered the Minnesota Twins, Tom Kelly, who won two World Series, by the way, in Minnesota. Uh-huh. As he used to be fond of saying, every now and then a blind squirrel will run into yeah. an <laughs> So under that umbrella, um, you know, I, I think expectations are high for the Padres this year, and I think they should be high. As yeah. we've discussed over the past however long we've been talking, there's a lot of talent, there's a lot of pitching, there's a lot of depth. I, I think a good season for the Padres, I think, would be 90-plus wins and second place behind the Dodgers. I think if everything falls into place, the perfect scenario, I think the Padres uh, put it together, maybe take advantage of some career years on their side. Maybe the Dodgers, who knows? Maybe there's some down years. Maybe they're sluggish after winning a World Series. Maybe there's an injury or two. And the Padres could surprise them and win the division. I think, you know, they're, they're, they're that good. A lot of things have to happen right, starting with health. That's always the case. But, you know, I, I think 90-plus wins. I think Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, continues. It's been fun seeing him have national commercials. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously, that's not yeah. why you play the game. But yeah. – you know, you look up and see him advertising some Gatorade product. Yeah. I mean, again, Padre players never have that opportunity. <laughs> but I, I think that he's given his charisma and his talent. I think he's going to continue to be a breakout star. And, and a lot of people nationally are going to be paying attention to the San Diego Padres this year. Yeah. 
yeah, no matter what, it is going to be a great year for the team. Uh, hopefully the fans get out there and get an opportunity to feel the yes. energy of the team because that's what it's about. And, and hopefully this team gets an opportunity to feed off the energy from the fans because they are truly excited for this team. Scott Miller, MLB Insider, Fox Sports, San Diego contributor, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we, we sincerely appreciate it. I enjoyed it. James, Dominic, thanks for having me. Thanks for the invitation. And like you just said, man, I hope to see both of you guys as well as many San Diego fans down at Petco Park this year. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Scott. That was our conversation with Scott Miller, Fox Sports San Diego analyst and MLB insider. James, this has been episode 136 of the East Village Times podcast. That was a great conversation we just had with Scott. A lot of valuable insight about what the MLB season could look like and his thoughts on the Potters offseason and other stuff along that line. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, it was a good, good conversation with Scott. Scott, uh, you know, he did the show, uh, I think his, well, looking back, his original, uh, he did uh, episode number 25 back in July of 2016. Dominic, what, what were you doing in July of 2016? Well, my freshman year of school just ended. Wow. And I should have I should have brought that up. I should have I should have brought that up with with Scott and we could have reminisced about how old we are. <laughs> um my shoulder was uh completely fine. I can now barely feel my right shoulder um because I've pitched a lot and just been crushed by shoulder injuries and yeah, I I was getting ready for a baseball showcase. It's what I was <laughs> and I wasn't going to I didn't know I wasn't going to do well. And I, at that point, I basically said, okay, you know, college baseball's not, not my career path. Uh, <laughs> time to focus on some other stuff and just stay healthy so I can play baseball throughout the end of my high school career. So that's about what I was doing in summer of 2016. So Scott's been a friend of the show for a long time. Uh, it's awesome to talk to him. It was fantastic hearing uh, a little bit of inf- inside information. Um, I don't think I can reiterate how much, how difficult it is for these guys to create content when they're not seeing these players and these coaches firsthand in the clubhouse and, and walking around. It's, it's really difficult. I, you know, I was privileged enough to be a part of that in small sample sizes and it, it there's, it's, it's the absolute truth. I mean, you can go around and there's, and you can talk to whoever you want, as long as you have the, the conversation and the balls to go up and talk to them, you can talk to them and they will give you information. And it, it's, it's just not available anymore. I mean, everything is, is zoom meetings now and it's just, uh, it's just tough. So I, I feel for Scott, I feel for, for the Padre beat writers, but I guess that's just the, uh, the world we live in now. Right. Dominic. Yeah. And this is something that I've had the pleasure of doing. And one of my journalism classes here at Arizona State University was one of my teachers in my sports reporting class brought in Jeff Passan to come and talk to us. And one of my fellow students asked him if he was worried about the fact that he would ever be able to get to go back in clubhouses because players have tried to shell themselves off. And, you know, they, they like talking to the media, but they, they want to focus on their game and they just want to be able to not have to worry about that. And he said he was concerned. He said that he knows the players don't exactly want to necessarily talk to the media. They do it because it's a part of their job, but he's, he's now worried that he may never not be able to go back into a clubhouse with, you know, free access to talk to any of the players or the coaches or just anyone. And uh, that's honestly a nightmare scenario for both 
you and I, I know you at East Village Times, me now at East Village Times, and with whatever hopefully I end up being able to accomplish with my yeah. journalism career, whether it's in baseball or just any other sport. So I, I hope that doesn't happen, but I mean, it's certainly a possibility with what Zoom has entailed for everyone. Yeah, it's it's progression, but it's not progression as far as getting the minor nuances of, of a conversation with someone and, and picking up their personality traits and, and, and their tics. And, and it's, it's different. Um, it's different. Life is certainly changed. Uh, Scott mentioned that fans will hopefully be at Peckle Park at some point in 2021. It's a fluid situation. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but either way, the San Diego Padres will be on TV. You'll have an opportunity to see them. Uh, nothing has been more exciting than this offseason. The, the team is, is, is structured to win. And 2021 uh, is going to be an exciting year, I would say, no matter what, Dominic. Definitely. I can't wait. I've been counting down the days. My friends always ask me, like, how excited are you for the Potter season to come around? And I, I just smile and I say, I've been waiting for this year for, the, for my entire life. And it's getting closer. It's becoming more of a realization. Obviously, like I mentioned, last Friday was definitely not a fun day. Realizing the Dodgers rotation got better because the Trevor Bauer. I, I I legitimately thought the Potters had a much better rotation than them prior to the Bauer signing. I mean, yeah. Kershaw, he's now getting up in age. I think that part of the reason why he was so good last year was because it was a 60-game season and it was less wearing on his body. We'll see how he rebounds this year. Walker Buehler's a stud. I'm not going to get into that. I mean, May's a stud, but he's definitely teared off towards the end of the year, along with Gonsolin. Uh, Urias yeah. is good, but Bauer brings in that guy. I think Bauer is a really good pitcher. People have heard me talk about him. I wrote an article earlier about him. I think Bauer is an incredible pitcher. I think that was a really good acquisition for the Dodgers, and it's really unfortunate because I thought the Potters were just as good as the Dodgers and definitely in a better rotation than them, but I just don't think those, that's the case anymore, which sucks because the Potters are so damn good or should be so damn good this year. It's, I think it's more that the Dodgers young pitchers are, are experienced in Urias, May, and, and Goslin, and, and the Padres young pitchers and Morahone, Weathers, and Gore have not tasted major league pitching or major league action yet. So they're comparable. Uh, Price and Kershaw are up there in age. They, they could be hit and miss. Uh, obviously, Bueller is the, is the stud. Uh, I don't know. It, it, we'll have to wait and see. They definitely weigh out. Uh, Bauer is an enigma. You know, what – how will he affect the chemistry on that team? How will he affect the pitching staff? Well, you know, he, he's a, a different kind of guy. His antics can wear thin on certain people. We'll have to wait and see how the defending champions handle it. And no matter what, you still have to make it through the playoffs. You still have to face each other in the playoffs. So I think, uh, you know, a second seed is not the end of the world for the San Diego Padres if they finish second in the West. It's, it's just about structuring your team for that five-game series and, and taking care of business, right? Definitely. And you got to get to the five-game series. The Potters don't win the division, which is not a thought I want to think about because I, I don't want it all coming down to that one game. I was already stressed out enough playing against the 31 or the, the like 30 and 28 St. Louis Cardinals. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't imagine if it's like facing Jacob DeGrom or Max yeah, Freed exactly. in a winner take. That yeah. facing Max Freed would honestly be more of a bigger nightmare given the fact that the Potters traded him away and knowing that he's going up against the Potters in a winner take all game. That would be an absolute nightmare scenario. 
we'll just have to wait and see. 2021 is is going to be exciting. We're a week away, folks. Padre baseball is, is in the air. It is. And I think we can wrap this episode up, James. Yeah, we're good. Uh, take us out of here, Dominic. Uh, awesome episode. Sure thing. This has been episode 136 of the Padres East Village Champs podcast. Follow us on Twitter at EVT Podcast. We'll try and get a clip posted from this podcast out there. And to see when we wrap up a podcast with a with a future guest, uh, I don't think we should give away our guest for our next episode, but it's a pretty big name. And I know the Padres fans will definitely want to tune in for that. So that's EVT Podcast. Follow me at DMstern19 to see all my Padres stuff. It's going to be more Padres related as the season gets closer, as well as my other stuff. Follow James at EVT underscore J Clark to see all of his thoughts in our East Village Times content. Follow us at EVT underscore news for all of our East Village Times content. And make sure to follow our guest, Scott Miller at Scott Miller BBL on Twitter. So you can see all of his content, his, his writing and all that stuff. Uh, Cause he does a great job. So that's going to wrap up this episode of the East Village Times Potters podcast. We thank you all for tuning in. We will catch you all next episode.